Well, I titled the sermon today, Faithful Shepherds and the Flock of God. And uh, Peter is going to take up the topic of, uh, of elders in the church. And uh, before I get to that, I just want to give, by way of an overview, uh, some thoughts and, and words, scripturally speaking, as it relates to the office of elder. And uh, not only what we see in the scriptures, but what we seek to practice here at our church. First of all, just to show you this, um, unlike those who uh, a number of years ago in the emerging church, does anyone remember the emerging church thing, all the, the fad that that was, lots of books written, and then yawn, it's gone, it's, it's just gone, another trend, another fad out the door, God's word remains, okay, one of the, one of the aims of the emerging church movement was to view institutions as relics of modernism, old, antiquated. We don't need institutions. We just need Jesus. Well, here's the problem with that. Jesus instituted the church. The church is an institution by its very definition, and it is an institution that has a structure built into it of authority and submission. So here are some of the lines that we see of the institution, the good gift of the institution of the church Number one, Jesus is the chief shepherd. He is the head, as it were, upon which the whole body grows up to meet him together. We come together in unity around Christ, who is the head of all things. Um, we are his body. He is uh, also described as the shepherd, and we are the flock. We are his sheep. We'll see that in our verses today. So there is one authority in the room whenever we gather, and it is not the man in the pulpit. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is sovereign over the church. He is the head. Everyone who operates in any level of authority operates by commission under him. Okay, so then the next layer of this structure of institution is biblically qualified men who are raised up and appointed to serve as under shepherds. Now, you may not have heard that term before, but it's a wonderful way to see the role of pastor, elder, uh, shepherd in the church. Um, these are really synonymous, pastor, elder, shepherd. And so biblically qualified men serving as under shepherds with the authority that's been assigned to them by God, serving under the chief shepherd and serving then the identified believers who are the body or the flock of God. That's one of the reasons why we practice membership at our church. Church membership helps us to identify who are the believers that make up Good Shepherd Bible Church. Who, who, who is that group? Um, and so church membership is especially helpful in identifying the believers that then commit and say, we are home. We are here. This is our home church. We invite this shepherding of those that God appoints over us, we joyfully tuck under their leadership and submit to their lead as we all together tuck under the headship of Christ, who is the chief shepherd. Um, so the concept that, for instance, authority and submission are results of the fall and should be thrown out altogether, that is not a biblical concept. Now that works great for the rebel heart that says, I don't want to submit right? I'm a, I'm a good American. I, I'm, I do what I want, right? I'm land of the free. Well, the, the church is not a democracy. The church is a, an institution that is instituted by Christ, and we gather together 
in the established authority submission structure that God has ordained. And it's good. It's good for us. One of the things I often remind people who look uh, with disdain on the church as an institution is that there was indeed authority and submission before the fall. Think of this. In Genesis 1 and 2, there was all kinds of structures of authority and submission. That's where marriage was ordained. And, and administered. So Adam and Eve coming together, authority, submission, under the Lord, commissioned then by him to go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And uh, then the, uh, the encouragement that he gave, the command, as it were, to eat from everything here that I've given you, but not from this tree. That's authority and submission, the call to obey. So it would be hard to be at this point in Peter and still think that authority and submission are a bad thing, because Peter has repeatedly addressed this. One of the ex- uh, displays of the Christian life is a joyful, happy-hearted surrender to submit my will to the Lord and then to those that he has placed in authority in my life, be it civil authorities out here or elder authorities in the church. Now, this is a good thing that we should embrace and welcome rather than run to try to dismantle or put away And I'm happy to say, outside of a few books in my office that linger, uh, the emerging church is dead. It just just, just faded out into nothingness, just like most uh, unbiblical church movements have over time. Um, So we stand faithful to God's word. We embrace joyfully the institution of the church, and we tuck under the identified qualified leaders as we together tuck under the chief shepherd who is Christ. To be an elder, according to scriptures, there's a number of passages that we look to. Here's one from Titus chapter 1. Listen to Paul as he talks about this office. For this reason, Titus, I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, For an overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, isn't that a great word? Pugnacious. Not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable. And then he goes on with the list of the positive traits. Loving what is good, sensible, just or righteous, uh, devout, self-controlled, holding fast, to the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able to both exhort in doctrine and refute those who contradict. So you see the function, the call of the elders. There's character and then there's calling. This is who the man is to be and this is what the man is to do. So when you think elder, that's office. When you hear shepherd, that's function. It's what the elders are called to do in the church. You can see why if the enemy wants to take down a church, he will target often the office of elder. You can see why this push is so strong to put women in elder roles. The scriptures very clearly forbid that. But oh, isn't it just like the enemy to try to subvert the good of God by saying, hey, look at all the limitations. Oh, he's trying to hold you back. There's a glass ceiling. Let's shatter it. Let's be clear. 
Women are not kept from the office because they are not smart enough or wise enough or capable or that they are lesser in any way. That is not why. The, the ordination that, that men should be elders is the command of God. It is his assignment to the men to lead in this way. There are so many things that women are given to do in the church. This is not one. The office of elder is restricted just for men. Now, the other thing you'll find often when, when elders are being discussed is it's, it's never singular. It's plural. The plurality of, of elders is so wise and so right. It is not that the church is to have a president who reigns over the, the, the church. No. The church is to have a plurality of leaders, different personalities, backgrounds, um, gifts, and, and strengths coming together to shepherd as one. And, oh, this is good. This is so good. I thank the Lord for this. Every week, I feel like there's another display of, of blessing that comes. If I had to do this job alone, I would be a mess. I couldn't do it. Uh, there's such wisdom, such, such partnership and, and value in having these men come together to work as one. In our church, we have right now uh, five lay elders and one vocational elder. That's me. I'm the, uh, the, the elders that get paid are often called pastors. Um, the lay elders that serve without pay are, are in that category of lay elders. We're talking about adding Alex Benfonti um, this next month um, as associate pastor. He would come in as a second vocational elder in that role. So we'd have a total of seven then in May. Um, this is a gift a gift to the church. I just want you guys to know what a blessing it is to serve with men, the kind of men, the caliber of men that God has given this church. Uh, the church is healthy to the degree to which the elders are sound and, and faithful, biblical men. The quickest way to see a church destroyed is to put men in the office of elder who are not qualified. All kinds of problems ensue. So, with that kind of as a backdrop, let's jump in here and work our way through these four verses on the topic of eldering and uh, start with the context of shepherding. The context of shepherding, verse 1. So, which really should say, therefore. If you've got the New American Standard, I think it's right. The ESV is a little bit weak on this. The NIV doesn't even have it, and that's definitely wrong. Uh, it, 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 it should be there. Therefore... I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Before we get to the command, let's consider this therefore. What's the handoff tying back to? Well, you remember last week, Peter said, listen, judgment is about to begin, and it's going to begin where? With the household of God. There's a refining work to be done in the church. And then he goes to address, to exhort, to encourage, come alongside the elders with these words. So the church is in need of refinement and strengthening, and he begins where? With the shepherds. It's right that he go here first, addressing the shepherds. Uh, esteem the calling of eldership and shepherding in the church. It's interesting to see how he does this. He does this with purpose. He says, as a fellow elder. Now, what could he have said? He could have said, 
as an apostle commissioned by Jesus himself. But he chooses his words here, I think, demonstrating what he's about to encourage the elders to model. Peter shows in, in incredible humility here as a fellow elder, and then he says this. He didn't have to even bring this up, but he did on purpose. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ. What does that immediately bring to your mind? When Peter was witnessing the midnight trials, the sham trials, where they were trying to convict Jesus, and he was in there, what did Peter do that night? He denied Christ. Not once, not twice, three times. Three times he denied Christ. This was the lowest point in Peter's life, without a doubt. It was also a point where he sinned. He failed in faith. He, he, he just he, he succumbed to the fear, and he denied Christ. And that rooster crowed, and the eyes of the Lord Jesus caught him from across the room. And in that moment, he went out weeping bitterly. Now, he says this, and then he says, as well as a partaker in the glory to be revealed. What does that mean? It means that Peter was restored. He was forgiven for his sin. Jesus met him and encouraged him with words that are echoing in Peter's ears. That he would never forget that encouragement that he received as they ate fish on the shore, the Sea of Galilee. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Lord, of course I love you. Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. The, the threefold reiteration of commissioning for a man who was humbled by his own weakness and sin. This is a display of Peter's humility. He's saying, listen, elders, brothers, I'm with you in this work. And I am far from perfect. We are men who are in progress, not yet there. So hear me out as I exhort you, as I encourage you. I am one with you in this work. We shepherd in the church by the grace of God. We shepherd in the church by the grace, which reminds us then the elders that God has raised up in this church are men who still are sinners. They're still sinners. Your pastor is as well. We don't always get it right. We are a people of grace led by shepherds that need grace and love. This commitment of God is He is a faithful God. He shepherds with sheep. He shepherds His church with sheep as well. We're just sheep raised up to shepherd. And we're reminded here, we point always to the chief shepherd. That's the one that we need. He's the Savior. Not me. Not the elders. He's the one we need. So, verse 2, here comes the command. The focus now of shepherding. The focus of shepherding. Shepherd the flock, Peter says. The flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now just consider how these words are ringing in Peter's ears. He heard Jesus give him this command over and over. Shepherd the flock, right? So here's what Jesus did not say. Listen, Peter, I want you to be uh, the president of the church. I want you to be the CEO of the church. I, I want you to be the manager of the church. That's not the language he chose. And yet, 
how many churches are operating with a, a business model when it comes to the leadership of the church. Some churches have even completely jettisoned the idea of eldership and established something they call a leadership team so they can structure it more corporate-like. That's not what is commanded here. Peter does not say, listen, I want you to coach the church. Just coach them. Just, just that you guys are awesome. Keep running. You're doing great. You're just, everything's great. You're a coach. He didn't say you were to be a cheerleader. Stand alongside. Everything's perfect. You guys just keep running. No. The call here is shepherd the flock. It reminds us that sheep without shepherds are in great peril. I listened to John MacArthur do like 50 minutes all about sheep. I learned things about sheep I had no idea about. They are left to themselves, unable to fend for themselves. You know that sheep have no defense mechanism at all? They, they have no defense mechanism. Their only uh, defense mechanism is to run. And when they're afraid, they run blindly. It's like off a cliff, just boom, off they go. Um, there is no built-in defense mechanism. The other thing that's interesting is with some herds, they have a sense of where they're at and how to return. Sheep don't have that. In order to find safe pasture, they have to be led, led to the place that's safe, and then led back home to the place that's safe. So the imagery here is not to insult believers. It's to remind believers that, number one, you are not to try to do this Christian life on your own. We are sitting food in the pasture if we are by ourselves. We are just vulnerable to attack. We are to be a flock together. And we need shepherds. We need to be shepherded by leaders that are raised up and put in place by God. Shepherd the flock. This can be captured, I think, in these words, pointing, providing, and protecting. One, one of the most important roles of an elder is to point people to the shepherd, the chief shepherd, not to take his place. I often in counseling remind people, listen, I am not Jesus. I can't solve this for you, but I know the one you need. And my job is to just constantly draw your attention to him. To, to the degree that I'm doing that, I am being faithful to the, to, to the call that I've been given. Look at him, pursue him, obey him, call out to him. Let's go together. Let's do this together. Let's, let me walk with you in that work. Pointing, constantly pointing. Pointing the sinner to the Savior. Pointing the saint away from sin to righteous obedience in life. Another role is providing. This is probably the most important role when it comes to um, the preaching of God's Word. The sheep need to be fed. Uh, the Lord went after in uh, I think it was Ezekiel 34. He went after the shepherds of Israel. And he's like, basically, why are you not feeding the sheep? Sheep should be fed. Oh, shepherds, why are you feeding yourselves and not the sheep? Feed the word of God to the flock. It's one of the primary callings of elders is to teach and preach the word of God faithfully without apology or compromise. The sheep can't survive on Costco samples, as I said a number of weeks back. We were made, wired up by God for the good food, the full meal that the Word of God provides. We need it. 
God has raised up men to bring that food. Another aspect of this is protection, right? Did you see that in the qualification even in in Titus? Not only does does the elder need to know the, the truth of God's Word in sound doctrine, his theology needs to be dialed up, but he also needs to know how, def- how to defend it and protect the flock from those that would come in or even rise up from within the church and take the sheep away from sound doctrine. You know, there's a thing called the Judas sheep. The, the Judas, there's a label. They call this the Judas sheep. This is the sheep that gets it in his mind that he should just go and wander off a cliff. And other sheep will follow this sheep to their death, right off a cliff. And so the shepherd is watching for the Judas sheep. Okay, who, wait, hold on now. Where are you going? No, no, no. Don't, that's not the word of God. That's not true. Stay true to his word. And defending from wolves from the outside that would seek to come and, and attack the flock. You know, the shepherd carries a, a rod and a staff. You see that in Psalm 23. The rod and the staff. The staff was a constant reminder as the shepherd would walk. He would tap the sheep just to remind them, I'm here, I'm with you. It was a loving tap. If they would start going in the wrong direction, it was just a loving, gentle correction in turn. The rod was for something altogether different. That was for defending the sheep from the wolves and disciplining the sheep if need be. Steering them out. Pointing them away from danger. Protecting them from those that would seek to kill the sheep. There's a time in eldering for both the rod and the staff. We practice church discipline here to be done in love. Church discipline is called for by the Lord that that it be practiced in love. What's the goal? Repentance. The goal is repentance. Sometimes people get it in their minds. This is what God wants me to do. But it's sinful. And part of the job of the elders, if no one else is going to get through to them, is to step in and say, guys, hold on now. This is a path of sin. This is not what God is calling you to do. Turn from it. Turn back. And to call them to repent. My dad, uh, growing up, my dad used these three words. I love this whenever thinking about pastoral ministry or shepherding, eldering. Loving, leading, and feeding. In 2008, when I candidated here, that was my three-word summary of my calling. To love the sheep, to lead the sheep, and to feed the sheep. That's what it boils down to. The love involves protection and discipline and care and comfort. The leading involves following the direction of the Lord, working together with the elders to, to steer and direct, and faithfully feeding the Word of God. I'm grateful for the elders and their love for this, involved in various um, expressions of teaching in different ways. Uh, It's so important. The flock of God. Uh, I I was at a church early in ministry that was started by the man who was the pastor, and uh, he was the founding pastor, which is an important thing to hold with care when you're the founding pastor of a church because it's easy over time to think, well, this is my church. This is the church I started, right? And I watched that play out. And after a handful of years, it played out in a horrific way. Basically, he became the commander-in-chief, and then he dove off the edge of orthodoxy, and we got out by the skin of our teeth. It was just a mess. All hell was breaking loose. 
but it tracked back partly to the pride of a pastor who thought increasingly of the flock as his. They are not his. They are God's sheep. This calling is to serve and sacrifice and love and care for the flock of God. His precious sheep are to be cared for and shepherded. They are the flock of God. Not of the elders, not the flock of the pastor. And then he says this, and I was struck how many commentaries didn't address these words. These are significant words. The flock of God, that is among you. Well, why would Peter say that? Well, think about it. If the elders here at this church were responsible for every Christian on the face of the earth, you know how impossible that would be? We would lay awake at night wondering, how in the world are we supposed to do that? That's impossible. Right. If, what about Whatcom County? Nope, not even Whatcom County. It's the flock of God that is among you. So those that God has brought to entrust to our care in this flock here, that is the ones that we are responsible for, that we will answer for someday to the Lord himself. How did you shepherd the sheep entrusted to your care? That's a big deal. When you're an elder, you feel that. That, that weighs because you, you then say, okay, who's missing? Where are the strays? Who, is, who isn't here? Who is hurting? Who is struggling? Who can we come alongside and, and bind up a wound and help and encourage? Sometimes the Lord leads people out of our church. And we try our best. We work and we talk and we meet and we, we pray and we, we try to resolve things. And sometimes they just say, no, we see it differently. We disagree. We're gone. Well, that's hard. That's one of the heaviest parts of being a, a pastor and an elder is when people hit the door. Especially if they hit the door and they're, and they're, they're wandering away from the word. That's, that's even harder. There is a point where we realize, okay, we've done what we can do. We, we've, we've pursued, we've, we've prayed, we've, we've sought to meet and, and lead and shepherd. And if they reject it, then we say, okay, Lord, they are not the flock among us anymore. We are not responsible to try to shepherd those sheep any longer. Let's focus on the flock that is here. Otherwise, my goodness, with the people who have left the church over the years, my distraction would be completely out there. And I would be chasing people all over the county and not caring for the flock here. The call is to shepherd the flock that is among you, elders, faithfully and all the way. So, now the heart of shepherding. The second half of verse 2 and verse 3. This is the heart of shepherding. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Okay, so three things built out here under the heading of exercising oversight. What does that mean? Well, in, in a, a real simple meaning, it means to just see over, to care for, to look over the sheep and, and make sure as you shepherd, you shepherd in this way, from the heart, in this way. The first thing he says is, not under compulsion, but willingly. So you don't want to try to strong arm an elder into serving in the church. That is a terrible idea. Well, why is that so dangerous to the sheep? Well, 
A shepherd that doesn't want to serve the sheep is not going to love them well. He's not going to have their interest in view. He's not going to be a good shepherd. He's going to be begrudging. He's going to be bitter. He's going to be dragging his feet to go and meet and help and love and serve. You don't want to serve that way. What do you look for in an elder? One who is willing. A happy-hearted elder willing to serve. Why would someone be hesitant to shepherd in the church? Well, I can say it this way, a couple things. Number one, when you become an elder, you invite far more direct attack and persecution. You become a target of the enemy in a far greater way, and you become a target of responsibility over the church. For instance, in phase one, when the elders prayed and we said we're going to open, we need to have our doors open. It's important that the gospel go out. People are afraid, and we need to be preaching the gospel. This is the calling of Acts 5. We will obey God. We're going to choose to disobey the governor, and we're going to open our doors. Well, in that decision, the, the most direct um, implication was carried by the elders. We're the ones that they would have come and arrested for that decision. Probably me first, and then the rest of the elders. So to take on that responsibility is to invite a, a more direct persecution. And these people were in the thick of it. Who are they going to go after first? The elders, the vocal preacher, leaders, shepherds. The second part of it is uh, that you enter more into the burdens of the flock. And this is a real thing. I mean, the, the, it, is, it is heavy to walk with people in the midst of hardship and trial. And this whole letter is about hardship and trial, persecution, suffering. So some guys would say, you know what, I just don't want to do that. And at that point you say, then you're not qualified. We, we don't want to ask you to do it. We're looking for willing men who get in there and carry those sheep as needed. Give them the care that they need. Love them. Care for them. Pray for them. Shepherd them. The other thing to remember is that sometimes sheep bite. Sometimes they bite. And, and I have received a number of wounds, uh, like heavy, hurtful words and wounds from sheep. Uh, what I would say is that goats bite even harder. And sometimes you can't tell, is it a sheep or is it a goat? But man, that thing bit me hard. It hurts. You get bit a few times and all of a sudden you can be like, well, this, this is just not, I, I don't like this. You have to be reminded, what did he do? The chief shepherd, he took all of it for us. Shepherding is bearing the burdens of one another and taking the bites if need be to love. Don't quit. Keep at it. Courageous shepherding motivated by love. That's the heart of it. You look for a man who loves the flock of God and says, I'm all in. Let's go. Come what may, let's do this. Serve the Lord with gladness is the command. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. And then here comes the imagery once again, the sheep of his pasture. We are his. We are called to serve him with gladness. That is most true, especially for elders who establish the example for all of other serving in the church. 
The second thing he says is this, exercising oversight, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Okay, so if you come across a pastor who's like, you know, I'd be happy to, to help you guys, but the thing is, is if you pay me, I'm, I, you know, that would work. Or an elder who's like, I don't know, guys, I just, I'm not sure I'm in on this. What kind of compensation is involved here? Right, so a, a man who only wants to serve if there's financial compensation involved um, within the church, that can be a caution flag. Or I had this example recently. I had a pastor that was interviewing at a local church call me up and he said, hey, um, is this amount a realistic amount for a pastor in this county? I'm like, wow, yes, that's a great amount. And he's like, I don't know. I think I can get more. I'm going to go lobby for more. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't, I'm just telling you, I think that's, that's solid. I think you'd be in great shape. You'd be able to take care of your family. And that was the last of it that I heard. So the call here is not for shameful gain. Don't, don't miss this. It's not wrong to pay elders, right? It's, it's, he says shameful gain. So a man who is trying to find ways to make ministry a career, to climb the corporate ladder on the heads of sheep, that is not the kind of man who is a good elder. His heart is locked on financial gain, not on seeing the sheep blessed and grown. 1 Timothy 3, in the qualifications for elders, not a lover of money, and also echoed in deacons, not greedy for dishonest gain. These are disqualifying realities that are to be guarded against in the church. And I would just say this, if you want to spot false teaching... Here's one of the first indicators. What is, the, what is the, 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 the gain that's taking place? What is being sold here? If Jesus becomes a commodity for financial gain, run away. Run away. The gospel is not to be peddled for profit, as Paul says. We're not peddlers of the gospel. We are here as servants. Good elders have their priorities set right God is the treasure. These are his sheep. Let's love them and feed them and lead them. Now, exercising oversight, number three, not domineering over, but being examples. Oh, how pride can find a home in the church and be consolidated into a place of, of, of power in an elder role which is a servant role. It's a head-servant role, just like the husband is to serve his wife with the authority he's been given. The, the elders are to serve, not lord it over the sheep. I had a situation in the church I grew up in. There was a doctor with great wealth and power, and he ruled in that church. And it was a total mess. He was not biblically qualified. Uh, his wife was dealing with all kinds of issues. We found out later, abuse. Um, his children were run, running rampant through the church. Um, my dad dealt with it for many, many years and finally was just like, listen, this is not inviting the blessing of God. We've got to deal with this. And when he tried to do it, found that there was manipulation taking place. The other elders didn't want to do it. And my dad resigned over it. Shortly after, they realized what, what was happening and this elder was dealt with in church discipline and kicked out of the church. He did not repent. 
The most damaging way to destroy a church is through a proud elder, a man of pride who consolidates power and then wields it on the sheep. History shows many just terrible examples of this. I love Peter's call here. The call is model what you teach. Model the kind of character that you are to lead with. Model that to the sheep. Live out what you preach to them. I was blessed to have a dad that did this every week. I grew up watching him, you know, six days in the home, and then I I heard him on Sunday in the pulpit, and it, it added up. He wasn't a different guy. He was the same guy all week long. A sinner who loved Jesus, his Savior. So, husbands love your wives. Listen to how Christ loved his church. This is, if the chief shepherd loves his church this way, elders, under shepherds are too as well. He gave himself up for her in order to sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. If that's the goal of the chief shepherd, it is absolutely the goal of the under-shepherd. The goal is love. Care for. Seek their best. What is that? Holiness. Obedience to God. Embracing all of His Word. It's good and true. What an example we have in the chief shepherd of what it looks like to model and teach the sheep. Now, the reward of shepherding, this is such a motivation. I had a joy of sitting with our elders and going over these verses with them at our last elder meeting and just contemplating. Think of this, guys. There is a special reward that is given specifically. This is not the same as the crowns that are given to believers across the board. This is a special designated crown that is to be given to faithful shepherds. Listen to verse 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is a a special honor that the chief shepherd will gather up. Think of this. This is going to be amazing to watch. All of the men who have faithfully shepherded in the, the flock of God will be gathered up and there will be a ceremony of some sort where upon the return of Christ, they will be given a special crown for that tenacious, faithful, and heartfelt work. That's the motivation for the shepherds in this life. Keep an eye on on the reward. Be motivated when it's hard. Oh, when your heart is reeling, when people don't respond the way you're pleading with them to turn from sin and respond, know this. There is coming a crown from the chief shepherd. Just keep shepherding. Faithful shepherding and the unfading crown of glory. I think of the men who I have served with here in this church who are no longer elders, but who will receive this crown. I think of Mark Wisland and the years he poured his heart into shepherding here before he had his stroke. He is a faithful shepherd of the sheep. I think of Tom Anderson, sat just right over here in the first service. Same is true here. Tom Anderson, faithful, loving shepherd of the sheep, served as a pastor for eight years, blessed our church with his leadership and his wisdom. When you see these men 
esteemed them, encouraged them, especially the men that are serving right now. They carry a weight that you have no idea about. Most of the folks in the church don't realize the weight that elders carry, the the challenge of certain situations. We, We took it on the chin just recently. Uh, folks get mad and blaming the elders for this or that. It's hard, but God is good, and it's worth it. It's worth it. Faithful shepherds are a blessing to the church. The return of the chief shepherd, this is something we all look forward to. Come, oh, shepherd of our souls, come soon. He's going to come any day. Our response this morning Let me take you to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Just encourage you, this flock of God that is in our midst, here's the call. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, think of this, how interesting this would be if you went to your coworkers, right? And you were like, hey guys, I just wanted to tell you, um, I joined this church and I submitted to the elders in my church and I'm, I'm inviting their shepherding over my life. What the response would be of your coworkers. You did what? You, you asked other people to oversee your life, to shepherd you? You're submitting your will to... Yeah, that's, it's in the Bible. It's what, it's what we're called to as believers. We live in a day where submission is seen as weakness. Friends, submission is freedom for the Christian. That's the point of this whole letter over and over and over. The call is submit to the authorities that God has lovingly and sovereignly placed in your life. Welcome their work in your life. And then think about how he says this. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Not only is there a crown coming, but there is an answering that will be um, brought to bear. For those elders who were entrusted with these sheep to care for and oversee. And for those elders who did a poor job, who just uh, skipped their way through eldering and didn't care for the sheep, there will be serious answering to be done. We, as elders, are called to give an account for your soul. And then it says this, Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. That would be of no advantage to you. Think, think of this. Uh, uh, when, when you're being shepherded, try your best not to be the sheep that's like, get your hands off me. Bam! You know, or bite. Oh! You know, this, you can just like, picture yourself as a sheep needing to be sheared. Just think of a, of a sheep that needs to be led. Think of a sheep that needs, like, welcome the shepherding of God over your life. It is to your advantage, he says, to live in this way. I've seen this even recently. Just encourage a brother. He was heading this direction. I said, you know, I just encourage you. I would point you in this direction. Not only did he say, I see what you're saying. Thank you. But he welcomed it. He's like, I really appreciate that. Oh, what a joy it is to shepherd sheep when they hear you out and says, oh, that, that's helpful. Thank you. Thanks for loving me enough to speak up. We're going to shepherd either way, but there is a way to shepherd and a way to be shepherded that honors God. And this church, oh, praise the Lord, you make shepherding a joy. You make shepherding a joy. It is a a privilege and an honor 
to be a shepherd here. Three things here as I close then. Number one, Christian, praise God for the institution of the church. Praise God for the institution of the church, the structure, the authority and submission roles he has ordained for your good. If you're not a member, join the church. Join the church. This is how God has, has, has planned your shepherding to unfold, to be inviting the shepherding of the elders he's put in place for your good. Praise God for the institution of the church. Number two, learn from, submit to, and pray for your elders. Someone told me recently they pray for all the elders every week. And you don't even know what an encouragement that is to us. That is such an... I would encourage you all, pray for these elders. Pray for these men that God has raised up. Pray for us. Ask the Lord to lead us and give wisdom. Um, Guard us from sin. Protect our lives and our families. This is a, a, a serious work and a serious calling of God. We appreciate your prayers. And this is for all of us. Number three, always keep your eyes on the chief shepherd as we follow him together and await his return. Friends, know this. We, those elders in this church, we are still sinners. We, we are not there yet. Don't look to us and expect perfection. That's not who we are yet. We're works in progress. Sometimes we're going to say it wrong. Sometimes we're going to get it wrong. And when we do, we're going to own it. That's the call. If, if we mess it up, we're going to call it what it is and then apologize for it. And grace granted forgiveness back and forth. That's who we are as a people. One of the ways you don't just quit and walk away from the church is you look to the shepherd of the church. Sometimes I've talked to people who are like, oh, I, just, I love Jesus, I just can't stand His church. I can't stand all the, all the people that gather there. And I'm like, yeah, sinners, right? Like you and me, right? We're part of it. That's, that's the reality. The chief shepherd, he's the one that will never let us down. He will never fail us. He will never forsake us. And to the degree that we are locked eyes with him, we're going to run this race together. And it won't be perfect, but it's going to be grace-filled, and it's going to bring us to the time when he comes back in his glory. Oh, come Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the institution of the church. We, we thank you for the structure that you have placed in view. Thank you for your word that makes it so clear. Oh, Lord, we live in a day that is, is so quick to rebel against your good design, so quick to throw off authority and, and make ourselves our own authorities. We pray that you would find us faithful. Lord, delighted to be the sheep of your pasture happy to submit our wills under the chief shepherd and to encourage those who've been raised up to shepherd us, O oh Lord. Work in our church, we pray. Thank you for your good, faithful work in the men that you've raised up to shepherd in this church. I pray that in the years to come, there would be many more, even young men today here, that would hear this description of the church and that their hearts would be stirred to say, I want a shepherd like that. Grow them, Lord. Develop their character. Make them men who love your church and then who can be raised up to lead your church faithfully to receive then the crown of unfading glory delivered by the chief shepherd when he comes. 
Oh God, we here exist for your glory. We praise you and we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.